and welcome to the HRT is Good For You podcast, episode two. This podcast is made for women and men of all ages, with particular emphasis on women entering their menopause. My name's Chloe, and I will be hosting this series made for and powered by the London PMS and Menopause Clinic. On today's episode, I will be chatting to Professor John Studd about depression and hormones. In the last episode, I spoke to Professor Studd about 11 reasons to be happy about taking HRT, and one of the reasons we touched on was how HRT can be beneficial for people with depression. Today we will find out in more detail how hormones and depression coexist with each other and how HRT can help with this. I hope you enjoy the show. So, Professor, during this time of the pandemic, a lot of people are getting um, low moods and depression is quite a big thing at the moment. And I thought it'd be really important for us to discuss this and find out the importance, how hormones can help people with this. Yeah, good points. Apart from the isolation we have at the moment in the situation, specifically talking about the menopause, that's very important because it causes all sorts of symptoms like flashes, sweats, loss of libido, headaches, insomnia, and depression. And the depression, of course, becomes worse in, in times of stress. But the COVID aside, let's just say that depression is very common in women. It's mm. more common in women than men. With you look at prescriptions for antidepressants, suicide attempts, or admission to hospital, depression is twice as common in women than men. Why is that? Well, the, the difference is that women have these hormonal fluctuations, like premenstrual depression. I mean, certainly men do not have that. Depression in women follows their hormonal changes, and specifically, as I've mentioned, premenstrual depression, but also postnatal depression, and also menopausal depression, when there's a decline of estrogens, and therefore the depression is more common. It's very important to, to recognize that depression in women is different to depression in men because men don't have these hormonal cycles. And those three stages of depression, that's reproductive depression, is that right? That's right. That's what we call reproductive depression. Mm. That's a combination of premenstrual, postnatal, menopausal depression. And it occurs, or they occur in the same woman throughout their ages until they get to the, the menopause, when in a funny sort of way, several years after the menopause, the depression declines a little bit because there's no hormonal flux anymore. It is low. Mm. But um, it is worse at the time we call the, the menopausal transition, what people call the perimenopause. And that is when, in the two or three years, before the period stop, that's the worst time of menopausal depression. Is reproductive depression easy to diagnose in your patients? Yes, if you ask the right questions and you listen, the important thing to realise you can't diagnose it by blood tests. 
When a woman is pregnant, does it work similar to menopause where the depression is suppressed? That's right. These women who may be incapacitated with premenstrual depression, when they become pregnant, the depression goes. And they are at their best when they're pregnant. But then, of course, when the hormone levels fall off three months after delivery, the depression starts again as postnatal depression. What are the risks of using antidepressants and the benefits of using HRT to treat depression? Well, the, well, the risks of antidepressants are very well known. I mean, what they often don't work. There's more suicides, there's more cerebral problems like strokes and all sorts of things. All sorts of problems occur with antidepressants, but essentially they are the wrong treatment for hormonal problems. Hormonal problems require hormonal treatment. What percentage of your patients take antidepressants when they, when they come for their first consultation? And do you find that in time they don't need to take the antidepressants? Well, about 50 or 70% have had antidepressants before coming. They may come for symptoms of hot flushes, sweats, or libido problems and and I'm excluding those, but those that come for depression, at least a half of them have had a trial of antidepressants that haven't worked. And then, of course, psychiatrists have a trick that um, if their treatment doesn't work, they then call it antidepressant-resistant depression, Mm. or they call it borderline personality disorder. Or, worse still, they call it bipolar disorder. And that's a terrible misdiagnosis in a woman that has simply hormonal problems. Does that happen quite a lot, that? Yes, yes, it's really quite common. And I've written this up years ago with examples of how you distinguish hormone-responsive PMS to hormone-not-responsive bipolar disorder. And then, of course, these women who have PMS, then misdiagnosed as bipolar, have antidepressants, they have antipsychotics, they have, even these days, electroconvulsive therapy. And it's all the wrong treatment if it's a wrong diagnosis. And if the correct diagnosis is premenstrual depression, it's easy to treat with estrogens. You give estrogens through the skin, transdermally, and that suppresses the cycles that produce the cyclical symptoms. Mm. And estrogens are safe to be using? Oh, yes. Estrogens are very, very, very safe. And not only do they help the depression, but they will help the flushes of sweats, the insomnia, they help the skin, they prevent osteoporosis, which is a major factor in that one in three women over the age of 70 will develop an osteoporotic fracture Gosh. of the spine or the hip. Now, that can nearly all be prevented by estrogens given around the time of the menopause for a long period of time, not three months, but 10 years. Is that 10 years 
prior to the menopause or 10 years? No, well, afterwards, afterwards. Oh, wow. And if you, if you start a few years beforehand, so much the better. That's interesting. And do you use testosterone in this treatment for depression? Yes, we do, quite a lot. Okay. Um, the evidence for that is less good than evidence for estrogens. Testosterone, of course, helps energy and libido particularly, but it also helps the mood as well. And I was looking at my figures a few years ago, and 93% of my patients having issues for depression also have testosterone. Mm. That's more than I thought it would be, but it's 93% of these depressed women, I also give testosterone as well as estrogen. So in my practice, it's very common. Mm. And with taking testosterone but getting a better mood and higher libido that will actually add to a much better satisfied lifestyle as well well they're happier everybody's happier yes talking about treatments often people go to the doctors and the doctors tell them that in order for them to have a natural way of being treated with depression, treatment away from depression, they should go out for long walks and be more involved with nature. Do you think this is a satisfactory treatment? Well, it's a satisfactory lifestyle, most certainly, and it may help take the edge off certain problems. But essentially, if they have recurrent depression with their periods, recurrent postnatal depression, Having long walks and going to the gym is not really going to help. What they need is the logical, rational effect treatment, which is estrogens. Have you published much on the subject of depression? We published a lot, about, about 500 papers on the menopause and hormone therapy and about, about 20, 30 patients, uh, papers on depression. Wow. And that's an interesting question because these have been published in good journals from the Lancet downwards. I've sent three papers to the British Journal of Psychiatry over the last five years. Okay. And they've been returned without even being reviewed. No. Now, I know how to write papers. I know how to write good papers. They've been published in good journals but not in the British Journal of Psychiatry, who do not want to know the message. Even the title is rejected. And these papers have not even gone to reviewer. That's a terrible thing. Why do you think that is? Well, it's a question of territory, I think, really. We all live in a little bubble, I suppose, whether you're orthopedic surgeons or psychiatrists or gynecologists. We all have a little bubble, our turf, Mm. and I think the psychiatrists are not really interested in having an alternative mode of therapy, which they think is different or too difficult for them. Now, that's very odd because there's nothing difficult in treating a woman with hormones. GPs do it. I mean, the patient themselves learn in five minutes how to do it. And psychiatrists, once they recognize the cyclicity and the natural history of reproductive depression, K 
can very easily prescribe estrogen, two or three measures of estrogen through the skin, perhaps testosterone, and certainly progesterone as well if the patient has a uterus. So it's very, very easy. And I do not understand why psychiatrists are blind to these possibilities. No, it's quite fascinating, really. Yeah, I'm sure. Sad. Yeah, it's sad. What advice would you give women who can't get the treatment in the form of hormone therapy? Well, I'd say go to my website. Um, (laughs) It's all written down there. And print off the sections on depression and give them to the GP, give them to the psychiatrist, so they can learn something. They haven't got to come to a gynecologist, but as long as they, they have the information that I hope is persuasive and convincing uh, so that they can take them to their GP or psychiatrist and say, will you please try this therapy? It's quite safe. It's well known for other things. It's estrogen through the skin by patches or gels. And it's so simple. And please let me have it. I'm trying to think of a, a, a role play in my head right now. If I'm a patient and I've got depression, what would be the steps in, in after we've had a consultation? Is it something that you can do over the phone? Because this is really important at this time of life. Well, it's important these days, so certainly. I mean, certainly women can have a telephone consultation with their doctor because there's no examination required. No. Ideally, you would, if appropriate, but you can do it over the telephone for tele, teleconsultations um, to get the history with the, the correct questions, listen to the answers, and if the gynecologist are convinced that it really is a depression treatable with estrogens, they will give them a prescription, they go to a chemist, and they can start it. And then when all this COVID thing has gone, then go back to your gynecologist and then he can sort out things like blood tests, perhaps breast examination, etc. Mm. But at the moment, it is certainly a hands-off telecommunication type treatment. And that's quite straightforward. That's really good to know. Is, is the prescription always the same to begin with as it is, you know, when you go to the doctors and they prescribe a pill? Yes, I mean, just about, just about. Of course, there are many different varieties of, of, of estrogens, uh, but essentially we use transdermal because it's safer than by mouth. And the, the transdermals, as I said, are the patch or gels, really implants, although they work well, but that needs obviously a proper consultation. So just the gels. And perhaps with the addition of testosterone, gel, once again, and possibly progesterone tablets for seven or ten days a month. So the prescription is fairly straightforward. Um, and it's easily prescribed over the telephone, and all chemists will have it. Brilliant. That's great. Good to know. And I've got a question from the listeners, if that's okay for you. Sure. Carry on. So... Is there a link between hormonal contraceptives like the pill and the implant and depression? 
There's always media attention whenever a study is released, but there's not that much nuance in the reporting since it's quite an emotive subject. Is there a point at which we can give lay people a definite answer? And how far away are we from that point? That's a very good question, because many recent studies have shown that the incident of depression is twice as common in women on the combined pill. It's even worse in women with the progesterone-only pill. And also, it's worse still in women having depo-progesterone. What's a depo-progesterone? Oh, these are injections, sorry, injections every three months of Provera. So that's worse? It's not a bad contraceptive, but it's not good for depression. And it's not a good contraceptive in women who have depression. Yeah, that's not good at all. Is there a big increase in, in depression among people who are taking the pill opposed to not taking the pill? Well, yes, yes. Well, Professor, that was a very nice summary. I appreciate that. That was my pleasure. Hope it helps. Yes, thank you, Professor. Okay, bye-bye, love. Hello and welcome back. How did you find this episode? Was anything surprising? Thank you for the great question asked by Claudia Stocker at the end about contraceptives and depression. Quite a controversial topic, but cleared up nicely by Professor John Studd there. If you'd like to ask Professor a question, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, where you search for HRT is Good For You podcasts. Remember to share our episode to friends and relatives that could benefit from hearing these episodes. Thank you for listening again, and we'll see you next time.